Hey everybody, it's time for another lunch therapy. All this talking and never any lunch. All right, here we are, live streaming to Facebook and YouTube and Periscope and Twitch, and um, thank you for joining us. Uh, if, you, if you're on YouTube, subscribe at my channel. Um, it's uh, over here down in the bottom, there's a little link. If you're on Facebook, just, I don't know, like my page, Joel Marshall. Uh, otherwise, just have a good time. We're here to escape all the crap that's going on in the world and talk about some stuff that uh, maybe, maybe doesn't matter. Um, just take a, taking a break. We like to start um, the show with three breaths. So if you'll join me, um, just you know, feel your feet. Feel your feet on the floor. And we're going to take in a breath. Hold it. And then let it out. One more time, we're going to take in a breath. Hold it and let it out. One more time. Hold the breath and let it out. I have a very special episode today. Um, I have a guest. He's someone that I have known for most of my life, um, and his name is Jeff Lohman. A lot of you people might be aware of him. He is a um, unique individual. He teaches school in Oman in the Middle East, and he, um, he's joining me here today on what I like to call Interview Friday. So this is Interview Friday. We're going to be doing interviews every Friday uh, with different people. And that's explained somewhat here in the interview. And let's just dive into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Lohman. All right, here we are. I have here as my guest today on Interview Friday, Mr. Jeff Lohman. Jeff Lohman is, uh, what do you have behind you there, Jeff? I've got some sleeve stacks behind me back from the 70s. Uh, is Good that old. from Land of the Lost, perhaps? Land of the Lost, that's where I'm feeling right now, that I'm in the Land of the Lost. Um, in reality, I'm actually in, uh, in Oman, which looks more like this. Oh, wow. Kind of a land of the lost without the dinosaurs or without the Chaka. So, yeah. So Chaka? Chaka? Chaka was on Land of the Lost, yeah. Chaka. Okay. And uh, um, they also had that song, Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. expedition. The greatest earthquake ever known. And that, oh, yeah. that was one of those things that, you know, people would say to me because my last name was Marshall. And they would just launch uh. into all the time. So you ever, uh, with that. 
you ever see Chaka around? Does he does he have work still in LA I, or is, I what's don't going on? see him that oh. often, but I believe he we used to see him in I always thought we would see him in movies, but I think it was it was a different guy. I don't uh, think it was the actual Chaka okay. guy. I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll have to find out who the actor was who played Chaka. <laughs> nice of you to bring some visuals. Um, yeah. I, see, I think that his, you know, his forehead was uh, some kind of prosthetic, so it's, it disguises his identity a little bit. I always thought it was yeah. the guy, uh, Ron Howard's uh, brother, the actor, um, but I think that was a rumor that I created in my own mind, as we do. <laughs> and so that's one of the things about um, this show, the reason that I, I'm bringing you on uh, and I'm bringing on people that I grew up with is because um, it's a little bit of an exploratory mission to um, kind of see what made us who we are and where, you know, where, where we went wrong, <laughs> where we went right, um, and where do we go from here. So a lot of us, you know, at our age right now, are kind of looking back, but also looking forward and saying, you know, what can I do now? And a lot of us have done a lot of different things. And so uh, we're finding that we have to reinvent ourselves, which is different, I think, from the way our parents dealt with life in a way, because they kind of took a career on and then just did that their entire lives. The world wasn't, I, the world was changing around them, but I think the world is changing around us in a much more challenging way uh, than perhaps, uh, uh, our parents' time, and I, I, I mean, I realized that they had, you know, went through a lot of different things, like like Vietnam and all that stuff. But we had different challenges. So um, right. yeah, so we're, we're, we're living in the gig economy nowadays. The gig economy, so, yeah. So yeah. you are. It's early morning here. Well, it's not early morning, but it's early morning for me. Nine a.m. here. What time is it there in Oman, where you are? Uh, eight forty-seven. Eight forty-seven p.m. PM. No, it's it's 8.08 PM. That's why it took us forever to try to figure out the time. I think oh it, we were God. working on that for about three weeks. That three was weeks so it difficult. took us to figure out the time difference as to when we can actually talk at the same I time. I had my protractor out and uh, some graphs. Oh, man. Oh, it's confusing. Yeah, it's really tough. Even with Google, it was impossible. Uh, yeah, and it's hard. You lose track of time here anyhow, you know, so... I'm finding that um, just that daily routine is is off. I'm still teaching during the day, um, but um, I find that you you know like I can say you have to keep yourself busy. You got to do things that are fun, find hobbies. Um, you know, one kind of blessing I've got is, well, I have hair. Thank you very much. Congratulations um, on that. When a lot of our classmates have lost their hair. Yeah. Um, and so, with this with this uh, social distancing. It turns out that the, the barbers are all closed because right. they're too close to you when they cut the hair. Yeah. And so my hobby right now is to grow the hair out. Uh -huh. This is actually the longest it's been in quite some time. They usually would be down at the Turkish barbers by now. And so what I'm shooting for, and this, this is like my one chance, this is like the silver lining of yeah. this whole uh, self-quarantine thing. I'm shooting for this. Oh, wow. So you've got yeah. a picture of a lady die. Um, lady died. famous hairdo um i think yep. you could do it jeff i mean jeff was at one time known as fabio i believe people called him fabio and so now maybe he'll be known as lady die 
Lady um, Di, I could grow her hair out. Um, that's kind of my, Di, what I'm working towards. Speaking of Di, my gray hair is coming in. And I'm going to have to find a way to actually, you know, do my own concoction. Really bring out the uh, youthful colors that I'm, I'm, I'm used to. Uh, but you know it's it's tough. It's difficult. I don't know. It's going to well, be a war, war against the. Asian. What I would suggest you do is because uh, I've given it considerable thought. Is that you got to got to look like this guy? Oh my gosh, Benjamin! You definitely got the Benjamin like Franklin look there. I think there. I should go for that. I'm going to have to get rid of the facial um, yeah. hair, uh, but it does. It is a good look. Um, I want to start with you, Jeff, and I want to go way back to when we met. Okay, so back in the Sleestack times, um, we met at Madrona Junior High School. Um, I don't know, it became a middle school, I think, at that time. Uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, how we became friends, but I'm, I'm interested in finding that out. I know we were in a class together, Mr. Nielsen's class. It was an English class. Um, he had the uh, habit of putting the kids with the better better grades in the front of the row. And then if you had worse grades, he puts you in the back. I don't understand the logic of that. Doesn't really, doesn't make sense. It was some kind of incentivized program, but who wants to sit in the front? And, uh, and the bad kids should probably be, you know, bad kids. See, there you go. There's, that's right. judgment, isn't it? The kids that were getting lower grades, you'd think he'd want them to sit up in the front. Well, uh, it, it was also a way, well, it was that and it was also the ski bus thing. But in that English class, I remember specifically that in the upper left part of the classroom, I think it was Blake Atwell, and in the lower back was Sam Swanberg. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened throughout middle school and high school is that we got classified according to our last name. So of course, who do I, like my early friends are like Joel Marshall, Matt Latimer, Eddie Mitchell, uh, L's and M's and O's, they're all in there. But I didn't get to know any of the S's or the A's because that they were so in different parts. And there were like 30 kids in those, those classrooms. You know, so. we had Matt Wright on last week and we were talking about how we spent our entire youth together in the same schools and the same situations, but we didn't spend a lot of time together. And maybe that was because of our, our the initials, first initials of our last names. Yeah, you, if you were a W, you'd be best friends with him. <laughs> totally. There's so much about geography, yeah. So yeah. my uh, girlfriend Vanessa also had an M for her initial, yeah, and that was because we sat yeah. next to each other in Mr. Evans' class, and romance bloomed yeah. because of our alphabetical representation. Proximity is everything. Wow. Yeah. You know, so I, I remember yeah. that, and I also remember the uh, ski team or the the ski bus that we ski would go bus. on. Yeah. And so the uh, Edmonds School District had that Saturday bus and the Sunday bus. And then I ended up seeing you um, on the ski bus. And now that was on it was Saturday. Was hopeful. Saturday? Yeah. Saturday morning, we would go on the ski bus and would, it was a school bus that would take us up to Stevens Pass and we would ski every weekend. And I was thinking, you know, for me, that was one of the more, uh, adventurous things that I did, like initially, let's we'd get up at five o'clock in the morning, get on a dangerous school bus with a driver, we have no idea if they're drunk or what, to, to take us up to um, a ski resort where we, we cascaded down the hill on, on skis. Um, 
at many times to our peril, right? And I remember the right. night before we'd go, I would start to get a little bit nervous. I don't know about you, but it was actually stressful for me. Did that happen to you? The stressful thing was to be the last person on the bus because you'd have to go all the way up. I think to go up to Stevens Pass was something like six or seven hours or maybe more like two. I know it was a six long ways on a school bus. It was long. But to be in a school bus with a bunch of kids with no seatbelts and, uh, and everybody's all excited. And if you loaded the skis, you mm -hmm. got to go on first and choose your seat. And so oftentimes we'd load the skis. Um, and if you didn't load the skis, they had playing cards and they'd deal them out. Remember that? And then if you had like yeah. an ace, then you'd go first. But if you had like a, like a two, the last, I don't know, maybe the opposite. Well, there was, it was that, but then it was also not good at math. They, um, they gave you the ace and the king. If you were going to suck in all the diesel fumes to load up the, that was the other thing. If you load, skis, yeah. took on a lot of diesel. Um, I took a lot mm -hmm. of diesel on early in life. Uh, also took on a lot of, um, chlorine gas, um, breathing the air out of the jacuzzis which we, you know, we could get to um, yeah. so that's that i think i think that explains a lot of drain damage that we might have yeah. now in later life um so explains yeah this, why we are where we are the other thing is my mom would give me a big she we didn't eat junk food generally but for ski the ski trip for some reason maybe because she thought maybe i was going to expire on the trip and so i might as well have fun she would give me a giant bag of cheetos and Coca-Cola, sometimes Dr. Pepper. And um, I couldn't wait to eat that stuff. Mm -hmm. So when we got on board, I would always <clears throat> break it out like 5.30 in the morning yeah. to start eating those Cheetos. And I remember you just, you know, were kind of nauseated by that or something. I, I think everybody was. And I, I know a lot of us ate healthy. I know, you know, like Sam Swanberg, he never, ate junk food and he never loaded skis up and now he's a state Supreme Court justice. So exactly. I think that goes to show one of the missteps we had. Right, all the chemicals that we put into our bodies, um, whether it be yeah. diesel fuel or whether it be Cheetos and Coke or whether it be chlorine gas. Um, good point, it's a very good point. Um, did you, uh, a lot of people on the, there's a Madrona Junior High School group on Facebook and they, they often ask about Mr. Powell did you uh, know Mr. Powell? Did you take shop class? Did you, we're never gonna I find never out took shop class. How about uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons with Mr. Powell after school? I wasn't there either. Jeez, Jeff. You know, you kind of ran with a, with a kind of a rough crowd, I think, when I met you. You were kind of a rebel renegade. Um, is that true? I, I had a big puffy jacket, but I think that was the extent of it. I see. Yeah. Um, you also were a big Rush fan? And I don't oh, mean I still Rush am, Limbaugh, yeah. I mean the band Rush. Yeah. You still are. I, uh, yeah, I saw them last time I was in America, the, uh, like the, the third or fourth, the last show before they, they called it quits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, and the drummer died, right? The drummer died, yeah, in January. All right, well, let's move away from that because that is just, I'm sure, a, a real um, sore spot for you. Um, uh, were, did you ever teach people how to ski? 
Uh, no, I never got that job at Hyatt, that lucrative job in Hyatt. No, did you ever uh, just teach people though and not get paid for it? I tried to teach my wife, but I, she didn't learn how. So in it wasn't Oman, very successful. In Oman, do they have skiing? In Dubai, there's a there's an indoor ski area that mm -hmm. is probably like a daisy chair, maybe 400 vertical feet. You're just yeah. skiing basically in a in a giant uh, freezer. It's in a mall, uh, right? So that's that's a place to go in the mall. But yeah. uh, I, I did work at the Mount Baker ski area uh, with Doug O'Donnell right. uh, back in the day during uh, the Bellingham days. And was that, that was, a good job? Was, uh, was a lot of fun. It was. Um, it was a really good job because you basically had to put people in the, the chairlift and um, one person would basically either sleep or ski and the other one would work on the chairlift. And mm -hmm. so there was very little, um, very little work involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mount Baker is a beautiful place to be. And it's one of these weird places that during the Great Depression, the, the government decided to build a road into nowhere. And, mm -hmm. and nowhere was a Mount Baker wilderness area. So that road doesn't go anywhere but the ski area. So once the, uh, the skiers leave for the day, it's completely mm -hmm. tranquil and, and beautiful. So yeah, it's a good place to, to work for a season mm -hmm. or two. I want to go back to high school real quick here because um, I wanted to talk about Frau Hall, who was a, uh, our German teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to just... Uh, for me, she was one of the highlights of, of high school uh, because she was sort of a she was sort of a teacher slash stand up comedian, and um, I think she was somebody that we kind of rallied around uh, in a sort of a uh, reverence yet irreverent way. Um, can you tell me something about that? Well, what I remember the most is how well organized she was. Because back in the day, when they had those. Uh, overhead projectors that had the little wheels and so she had like her entire unit on one of those wheels and she would just kind of roll it out and then go over the the German grammar or the um, wow the I, didn't, I didn't realize there. that do you think you realize that now that you're a teacher you look back at your teachers and go well what was the thing that, that helped them out um, or what oh was definitely it? yeah did they have a plan or were they just going to talk about the hoop concert mm -hmm. The, um, she had a horn, I remember, behind a podium up there, and she would honk it sometimes uh, at the end of a joke. Did you ever notice that? Yeah, remember the horn? Did you ever do that? Did I ever honk the horn, or did I ever? Do you ever honk the horn in your class? Um, no, I don't. I don't have a horn. Perhaps you should a... do that. Um, I'm the weird teacher that has a meditation bowl. So um, actually picked it up when we were in Goa together and I, I put the bowl on my hand and I, I did the singing bowl for a while. And so um, the kids seem to like it. Kids well, you do like a it. lot of meditation, right? Did you do a lot of meditation? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the thing that fascinated me was that a lot of times um, with, with schools, you get a lot of burnout in the spring. And so I asked myself, it's like, why is everyone so stressed out? because mm -hmm. of uh, spring fever. I mean, it's, we shouldn't have all the stress built up. It should just be dissipated every day. Mm -hmm. And um, I just saw too many teenagers that were really freaked out, stressed out, clinically depressed, that sort of thing. And so became interested in just kind of kicking back and 
taking a couple breaths like you do at the beginning of every show. So that right. uh, it's kind of a big thing. That's so a good point. Yeah, that's what I try to do on my show. And I learned that, you know, I learned, um, I started doing meditation um, when my brother told me about it. There was like a book that he sent me. And then also uh, you said you were doing some meditation. I thought I'd look into it, see if I could do it. I figure, you know, I might as well give it a try. And I think it's quite valuable. Um, do you ever play the guitar in your class? For your class? Um, I tried a little bit this year, but I, I didn't do very well. I got to work harder on that. That was one thing but, that Frau Hall did. She would uh, play the guitar sometimes too. Yeah. Do you remember the poem that we learned? The Anemone. Yeah. How does it go? So long as the mouth is not falls, you can be And for whom not, the Meise is an anemone. Sometimes I pull that out. I don't know. It just sits there in the back of my head for when I meet Germans. Right. And I just start, you know, and they are usually uh, duly impressed, but then they think that I, I speak German. And right. I, I, I use that dialogue as well. Uh, just the part where, you, where it's, um, you know, sometimes Manchmal somebody's going to kiss you oh, yeah. and then you're going to be alone. But that's how life is, okay? And, <laughs> yeah, and right. just as a standalone, you walk up. You say that. I think last time I did that, there were some Germans who were commiserating the the terrible showing in the World Cup of the German team. Yeah. And so I bought them some Jägermeisters and and told them that and walked away. So. Oh my gosh, that's good. You know, I remember uh, rehearsing that in the I don't know cafeteria and doing it in a very like goofy way because we were trying to remember it, trying to remember it, and uh, um, then you know, so we were all laughing about it. So then when I got up and did the poem, everybody was laughing and I was laughing. It was the start of my stand-up career. Um, mm. And, you know, I thought it was fun. Uh, but afterwards, Frau Hall said to me, you see, Joel, you're always joking. And then when you try and do something serious, everybody laughs. Would you like to hear my version of that memory? <laughs> yes, I love that. Okay, so we had to recite the poem from uh, our chairs, I believe, yeah. uh, by, from memory. And um, you were the only person to uh, say the title. And, and when you said the title, that's that when of, everyone started to laugh. That was part of the humor. And you said the title because you're trying to be funny. You're right. But she, she, she was giving you the benefit of the doubt and thought that you were being to serious. Be Yes. And what is it about, you know, I'm exploring comedy here on this show, therapy and comedy. Um, but I, I wonder what is funny about saying the title? What is funny about the title? I suppose it's just, it's so dramatic. Um, it's so dramatic for a poem that 32 students all recited. <laughs> you actually put the title on top of it. Seems like like gilding the lily or frosting the cake or I don't know what the other metaphors are. I don't think frosting the cake is a metaphor. 
rolling the kernel, <laughs> exactly. Sort of like rolling the kernel. Um, yeah, so um, I wanted to ask you also, um, you wrote a song um, yourself. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs and I wondered if you could, you know, give us a little bit of it here. Oh, I don't have my guitar down here. Um, I, I, could I could sing it with you if you want. Um, I, I don't know all the words, I don't think, but um, we could, uh, it, but if you want to sing a cappella, I'm sure, you know, our listeners would love okay. it. Okay. Do you want to give it the countdown? Five, four, three, two, one. Three, two, one. Bigfoot is my best friend, best friend, Bigfoot. Bigfoot is my best friend. I love him and he loves me. Walking through the forest, Bigfoot's forest. Walking through the forest, look out for that trap. Trap, ha ha, it's over there. So, wow, I love it. That's yeah, part love of it. I think there's a, a missing verse somewhere that's in an attic. Somewhere. I didn't even know there was that much to it. I when I sing it, I just say Bigfoot is my best friend, best friend, Bigfoot. Bigfoot is my best friend. Da da da. But there's more. I mean, there's like it's really yeah. good. You know, I think that that's one of the things about Bigfoot. I think because we had Chaka, perhaps we had a little bit more of an affinity towards Bigfoot. Um, you know, I was scared of him though, because there was that, you know, video of him walking. Do you ever see that on Insertia? Yeah. yeah. And he just kind of looks. And he doesn't look like, I'm going to kill you kind of look. He kind of looks like, what is that? Sort of like, you know, you're looking at Bigfoot going, what is that? And he's going, what is that? Yeah. Well, yeah. and there was that documentary, um, Six Million Dollar Man. Yeah. It had a whole thing on Bigfoot. Yeah, the documentary about the man who uh, replaced all his um, vital organs with um, computers. Mm -hmm. The Six Million Dollar Man. I think that that right. was a dramatic show. I don't think it's a documentary. No, I'm pretty sure it's a documentary. Oh. Because they, they went and they found Bigfoot. I um, see. There was, it was a double episode. It was like a full hour of Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. Dollar man. I remember. You know, I, still, I guess I remember the 60s different from you. But I that's, guess that, that's why one of the I was afraid Bigfoot. We're trying to figure out is like, you know, is memory malleable and does it change? And do you make yourself the own, your own hero or your own victim of your story, like me and the Diana Monet story? Mm -hmm. I've been holding on at that for a long time long time yeah and uh you know you helped me kind of work through it maybe therapy when they do therapy they should bring in like your oldest friend so that he can stand there and be like no that didn't happen and then you'd be like oh that didn't happen not as traumatic as i thought i was being a jerk you know okay so now i want to i want to move it forward because there's something i want to talk about i have a couple notes here because there were some things that i want to make sure that i hit upon, and one of them is um, Homer Simpson. Uh, can right, you explain yeah. the thinking behind this? Um, maybe you have some pictures you can put up, but uh, the very unique thing about you is that you travel a lot, um, but you also bring this friend of yours. Well, I, I credit Jerry Parton for the, the Homer Simpson idea because when uh, I was traveling to Europe, um, back in the days of film cameras, you know, I, I would be the person who's like, oh, I only got 20 more, 24 more pictures. I, it's a 36 exposure and I, 
I like really not want to take pictures because I would just waste them away. Uh, but I wanted to go to Europe and I wanted to have a have some photos of it. And so Jerry said, well, why don't you just take a Ken doll and that just take pictures of the Ken doll everywhere. And so I thought that was a really good idea. So I had a, had a Homer Simpson uh, doll and it was a great uh, icebreaker. It was sort of like a Mr. Bean type of thing where you, you just look really awkward taking a picture of um, uh, of a doll in front of the statue of King Henry the Navigator or in front of the Eiffel Tower or what have you. So it was uh, a good way to meet people. Um, but at first it's like, it's like, you know, on Halloween when you, you, you really feel uncomfortable in your, your costume and that that's usually that's really a good sign because you're going to be the the best dressed costume person at that Halloween party but but at first you need to feel uncomfortable so with Homer Simpson it was the same sort of thing where you felt really uncomfortable looking like a special needs man with your your doll and, and taking photos of it so um, when you when you refer I just want to break in for one minute when you're talking about being uncomfortable in your Halloween costume are you talking about that time you took that giant pumpkin and put it on your head and wear the pumpkin head guy. And it was like a huge pumpkin, like a real pumpkin, and you were wearing it around for a long time. Yeah, that was uh, that was something I thought maybe I shouldn't walk around with a pumpkin head yeah. on there. Or maybe you should have gotten like it, a smaller one or maybe one that wasn't actually a pumpkin. It worked pretty well. I wish I, I could bring the picture up, but it kind of rested on my You'll shoulder. You'll have to send so. me that picture. Maybe right. I can put it in the, in the show. Yeah, I can do that. Um, um, you used yeah, so to also, Homer, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. So Homer, um, you know, I, I handed him off to a lot, a lot of people. I had a student whose older sister was going off to Iraq and that's when the war was raging. So Homer went to battle and got some good videos of, of him in Iraq. Homer also uh, went to Antarctica. One of the teachers I work with, he, uh, and his girlfriend went to Antarctica. So I've got some so you've got him on every on continent. Instagram. You have him on every continent. Um, for um, Antarctica, he never stepped foot, but uh -huh. he was on a boat looking in there. That those tours are more expensive, and Homer felt that he wanted to save the environment in Antarctica, and he didn't need to trounce around on the gravel to disrupt. So it. you actually, um, you know, have communicated with Homer this little plastic doll. When I sleep. <laughs> okay, yeah. so all right, there are a couple of things here that I wanted to talk about. One is, um, you have an Instagram account with the pictures people can go to. Uh, yes, he's up there. Uh, ooh, I should know. Homer's Odyssey, nineteen ninety, I believe. Okay, um, and also um, apparently he made it back to his creator. He made it back, met his maker, um, and that was through Ginny. Uh, she uh, took Jenny him to. Yeah, so uh, we, uh, you have a picture Matt. of him with Matt Groening. Yep. And, uh, and then shortly after that, he disappeared. Is this true? It's true. We don't know if it was a kidnapping. I'm, I'm thinking from what I learned on Tiger King that five years has to pass before a missing doll or a missing person can be considered to be uh, dead. A crime. Oh, dead. Yeah. Okay, so we're still... We're still um, thinking he's going to pop up. A lot of people that I've talked to, my friend Neil Phillip, who, who you know, he said that he'll turn up. And you know, he's pretty wise that way. So I'm thinking that's probably going to happen. Um, okay, so now um, we've gone almost too long, but we're hanging in there. 
Um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about. One is um, you lived in Thailand for a long time and you worked at a place where they threw vegetables. Is this true? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it goes back to, um, oh, where to start with that one? Um, I guess there's that old joke, what do you do with a history, history degree? Uh, look for a job. Uh, that's uh, what I was hoping you'd show that picture. Um, people can't see this on the yeah. podcast, but it's a picture of Jeff when he was working in Alaska with two fish. Although I was hoping for the, the nude picture that you have where you're holding the fish in front of you. Do you have that picture? Uh, <laughs> it's not nude. for special people. It's not nude. No, it's just, it's you just have the fish. fish in front of me. Yeah. Uh, Jeff used to make uh, Christmas cards, which cannot be found anywhere on the internet, uh, I'm sure. Uh, but they were, um, he would always have them that would be slightly offensive because he'd be somewhat nude. Uh, he would not be actually nude. He'd have like, when he worked at a pizza place, he had the pizza, um, what do you call that? Peel. Peel? A peel. Oh, so there we're learning. So the thing that they put the pizza in the oven with is pizza peel. He had the pizza peel in front of him. He had that. He had another one where he was, you were dressed as a priest. The 10 year high school. Reunion. Oh yeah, that's my favorite thing. Yeah, so that, was, that was a fun one. We're all over the place. But when in high school, a high school reunion, when our, I guess it was the first one, the 10 year? It was a 10 year, yeah. 10 year, Jeff came back to the reunion wearing a priest outfit. And uh, what was the thing? Like you were talking to somebody and you, told, and you finally told him, look, I'm not a priest. Was it Jay Crookshank? Uh, I think it was um, Carl Harrington threw some Latin at me that yeah. he had learned from a heavy metal song. Yeah. And then he, um, he said, oh, you're not a priest. You would know that. But what really surprised <laughs> me is lots of people just assumed, uh, they're like, well, how did you become a, a priest? And I said, well, in reality, you have to do seminary school for about seven years. But yeah. I told people, you know, I, I took a, a correspondence course and uh, they, they made me a priest and I didn't even have a cross around my neck I had like this grateful dead uh polished stone maybe you were a, there a and priest from the temple of Siri I, I might have been um it could have been and people asked you know are you allowed to drink I'm like yes I'm allowed to drink and so at Fishhead Charlie's that first night I don't think I had any anything out of my pocket to, to go towards that bar that was not an open bar um so that was um, it kind of came out of I hadn't really done anything because I I had gone into the, the the army for three years and then spent about five years getting my undergraduate degree and then I went to uh, fishing but I didn't have a career so a lot of people were showing up there there and they had jobs that paid much more than I was getting so I thought I'll just you know, go as a priest. Um, so it was like an insecurity so that, that you. Fun played into a whole um, thing. Do you find yourself um, doing weird things just to get people's reaction? What would be an example of that? Uh, dressing up like a priest at the reunion, just to kind of see like as a social experiment, what, how are people gonna react if I decided to become a priest? Um, do you do, you know, or, or will you take Homer Simpson around? You know, do you do things just to kind of see you know what their what their reaction is. Do you do anything now, like in your life uh, as a mature teacher, um, that is a social experiment, say in your class? Uh, in class, I lie quite a bit. I make things up. Um, 
and, and a lot of times it's, it's just to see whether they're listening or not. You know, so when we talk about Lloyd George, who was the British prime minister during uh, leading up to World War II, you know, I'd always just say, you know, Lloyd George, not to be confused with Boy George. And I'd have the, the pictures of the two guys up there. And that guy on the left is Boy George. The guy on the right is, is uh, you know, Boy George and Lloyd George. They're not the same people, okay? They're different, different time periods. And then um, 10 years ago, the, the students would know who Boy George was, uh, but now they don't so much. And then when, they, when I say, you know who Boy George is, right? And, then, and I, I just go off on them. I'm like, well, what are they teaching you in science class? What, <laughs> tell me what they're teaching you in science class. And, and the kind of the higher students will, will kind of get the joke. And then others are like, why would they teach us that in science about an 80s pop star? No, so little things like that here and there. So. I like it. Um, what do you like? Okay, here, here's some questions for the kind of the end of the interview here. Um, do you like to be late or do you like to be early? Early. Really? Why? Uh, always like early because there needs to be some think time before you get into something. Do you um, like to read books or listen to books? Uh, listen to books. Just because I sit so much anyhow, it's nice to walk and listen to books. Do you consider people that listen to books less than people that read books? No, but there is that social stigma. There is a social stigma, isn't there? I think that that's a um, listening shaming. It is. Because if you say, I read this. Oh, I lost it. Are you there? Have oh, you ever had that happen before? What? Because what happens uh, where, your audio where you tell somebody you, you read a book and then they know yeah. you listen to it. And they're like, no, you listened to that oh, yeah. book. You didn't read that book. I've had that many times where I said I read it and they were like, nope, sorry, you didn't yeah. you listen to it. Go back and read it. You know, it's really just about interface. It's about your interface with the book, whether it's your ear. Mm -hmm. And I happen to be a visual person. So words don't always, you know, uh, elicit the, the images that, you know, I get when I listen to something. And also I can listen to it while I'm driving a car or doing something else. Um, okay, so do you goal set? Because, you know, now we're, you know, getting to an age where we go like, you know, a lot of people are just kind of kicking back and, drinking a beer and just, you know, just going, I guess I'll just binge watch um, uh, Breaking Bad for the rest of my life. And other people are saying, no, I, I got this much left in my life. Some of it, it's almost half of it sometimes. What am I gonna do with it? How about you? Do you goal set? Do you, are you always trying to change it up? Because clearly in your life, you've always changed it up. Yeah, I'm a like habitual, um to-do list person, but it's not so much a to-do list of like things I have to do, but it's more of an anxiety list. So if you feel like uh, you're just kind of relaxed, kind of sitting out and you're like, oh, where do I feel all the stress coming from? And then there's like two or three things a day that are really stressing you out. So like yesterday I, I did my taxes and then I also did, um, uh, what else? I learned some, learned some Thai because I feel like I'm, slipping with that so 
I, I don't like a task list. I like an anxiety list. So find you, out where that stress is and then address that. Can you say, um, perchance, might I have a bowl of spaghetti in, in Thai? Um, perhaps a gotio spaghetti damagrap. You're making that up. No. Really? Wow, that's good. Yeah. How about my dog has no nose? Uh, wow. All right. We're going to, I think we're going to end the interview on that incredible display of language skills. So we didn't let it end it on a, an up tone. I just want to say one more thing about Frau Hall. I can't get this. I got to get this out here because I was, you know, talking about how she made fun of me or didn't make fun of me, but you know, said that thing. She also later on in life, I was doing a play where I just spoke German and, um, it was about to go. It was about to go up on stage, and um, the assistant director said to me, or said to the director, "I don't think he's speaking German. I think he's speaking French, <laughs> or it sounds doesn't sound like German. It sounds like French." And so I got all like Crazy. freaked out. Like, what am I? Gonna, you know, I don't know. Ah. So I called up Frau Hall and I said, "I I gotta run this German by you." Just out of the blue, I called her. I said, I had to run this German by you. Just, can you just tell me if it sounds like German? And uh, she said, oh, I happen to have a room full of Germans here. So I'm going to put you on speakerphone. So she put me on speakerphone. And I said all of my lines. And then she got back online. She's like, yep, they said it sounds like German. See you later. And, and so uh, that just helped me out so much. And it was cool because she didn't even like, she didn't even like ask me for any kind of explanation or anything. She's just like, yep, got a room full of Germans. Here you go. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, anyway, so that was uh, cool. And that gave me the confidence cool to go on that stage and speak German and not have that girl tell me it sounded like French. <laughs> so that's the thank you to uh, Frau Hall out there. Uh, she lives in Arizona or something now, I think. So Yuma, I believe. Yeah, maybe she'll come in the chat room. Um, all right, so Jeff. Is there anything else you want to say? No, thanks for having me on. We'll thanks chat again, here. maybe. All right, and uh, over and out. This has been the Lunch Therapy Friday interview. Okay, everybody. Uh, that was the interview with Jeff Lohman, uh, one of my best friends. We've been friends forever. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, that's the end of the show today. Um, I'll see you next Monday, and have a great weekend. Uh, we're going to indulge a little bit in the land of the lost for the end of the show. Marshall, Will, and Holly On the routine expedition Met the greatest earthquake ever known Thank you.